The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Patricia Raskin Positive Living, the program that brings you practical and inspiring principles for living more authentic, engaging, and passionate lives. Created by Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. And now, with Patricia Raskin Positive Living, here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Good afternoon, everyone. Right here on the East Coast, and good morning, everyone, on the West Coast. And just want to say um, what this program is all about. I've been doing radio and media and television for many, many years that focuses on how you can turn your obstacles into opportunities and problems into solutions. And that's my mission. And I've been doing this on Voice America for about eight years now and also on broadcast radio as well. And I'm very excited to bring to you today's guest because she's really... I think a pioneer in the whole field of love and relationships and making relationships work. And her name is Dr. Pat Love. Of course, love is the perfect name for her. Dr. Pat Love is a distinguished professor, author, trainer, and longstanding licensed clinician for over 30 years. She's contributed to counselor education and personal development through her many books, articles, programs, speaking, and media appearances. Her ever-popular books include Hot Monogamy, the Truth About Love, and uh, How to Improve Your Relationship Without Talking. They've been translated into 12 languages. She's appeared on Oprah, The Today Show, CNN. She's been a major contributor on major popular magazines. And the book we're going to talk about today, which is her newer book, or newest book, is Never Be Lonely Again, The Way Out of Emptiness, Isolation, and a Life Unfulfilled. Welcome, Pat. Thank you. Thank you. I want to know if your parents named you Love because they knew you were going to do this work. You know, people ask me that all the time because it is my birth name. But, you know, growing up, my name was just my name. I didn't even think about this, and I didn't get into this field until I was fully grown and out of the house and had kids of my own. So God gave this to you because you were supposed to do this work, Pat. You know, it really does feel like my calling. I have to say that you're right about that. You know, I want to read a paragraph from your book that I think is very poignant and very telling. In light of social media today and where we are with our iPhones and our iPads and our iPods and our computers that don't leave some of us for a second unless we're in the shower. All right, here's what I want to read. Even in this time of mass communication and social media, we remain accessible but not engaged. You can't, you still can't snuggle up to an iPhone with much comfort or consolation. In fact, the more we rely on technology to keep us connected, the lonelier we become. Your comment, Pat. Yes. Uh, even though a lot of people sleep with their iPhones, they admit to it and sleep with their computer beside their bed, not to mention uh, the iPad and all the other gadgets. It really has to be re- reinforced with face-to-face 
connection. Um, it, we have a huge South by Southwest uh, technology conference here in Austin, Texas, and and the buzz is how excited people are when they meet people that they've only known online and they finally get to meet them FTF, face-to-face. Because there's no substitute for what we call limbic resonance, those magic moments of connection between two people. And that's whether it's two friends that you see that you haven't seen for a while or that person that even though you haven't been with them for five years, it feels like you can just start where you left off or a loved one or a family member or just a new person that you connect with immediately. That magic that happens, the synergy of connection there's no substitute for it. Yes, it's fun. You can get chemistry. You can get a high. You can get laughs. You can reinforce connection with technology, but you cannot replace connection with technology. Yeah, and so in some ways it brings us closer instantly in terms of the connection, but it's still not that physical, visceral connection. In fact, it's interesting that loneliness gets translated via social media research shows that lonely people, actually the technology um, exacerbates the loneliness because, one, people can tell they're needy or, or depressed or anxious or sad. That lonely feeling comes through with their messages. They're also more sensitive to slights and, and the, uh, you know, we're, we're meaner and, uh, and we're meaner via technology. We're yes, short, we're meaner. Right. It's, right. Easy, it's easy to misinterpret, and lonely people are very, very sensitive to that. Yeah, and you can't see the other reaction, so it's easier to right. be that way. Right. Right, let me ask you why loneliness is such a common problem in our fast-paced world today more than ever. Is it because we don't have that extended family anymore, or is it greater than that, Pat? I do think it has to do with the um, the logistics that that now you know kids leave home, uh, although they're now leaving home later, closer to thirty than they are twenty. But the point is that we value autonomy in this culture. We value autonomy in this culture, and it's somehow it's a rite of passage to grow up and move off. And in some cities, the larger cities, 60% of people there of households have only one person, and that's not to imply that people living alone are lonely. They're no more lonely than people living together, but some people are living alone and isolated because they don't have anyone close to that they want to live with or can live with. Um, but I think the whole lean toward autonomy and self-focus, uh, if you begin to look at this whole idea of friendly narcissism, is it all about me? Um, the fact that we now, all those practices we thought were going to build self-esteem in the 60s and 70s and 80s, we now know has alienated us from others because it's all about me, which makes us lonelier. And, um, in fact, loneliness is one of the only symptoms that will bring a narcissist for help <laughs> because, ultimately, there's no one to reflect the image. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and, that, and, and so this whole me culture and the focus on me and the fact that media is all about me, if you just look at, mm-hmm. at uh, the focus of the, of the social media, it is more about me, not us necessarily and yeah. and that leaves us lonely yeah and and you know I, i'd like to comment about loneliness as well 
Um, it doesn't matter what age or stage you're in, right? I mean, some people are right. single, very happy being alone. Yes, yes. So it's not about age, and it's not about status even. No. Actually, it, it, one of the stereotypes is that you're old, poor, and lonely. And the truth is that younger people have loneliness at growing larger growing numbers than the older people. The older you get, the less lonely you are. What is what research so, shows? So now, Pat, what's yes. the difference between being alone and being lonely? Loneliness is actually a healthy drive which moves you to other people. People often are alone because they're introverts. They get energy and their battery recharged by being by themselves. So that really being alone really gives you the energy to go out and be social and connect to other people. And you go out and you're vibrant and you're attractive and you're, you're energized and you draw people to you. So I find that, by the way. I find yes, that. Yes. I find because after a while, if I don't recharge, I'm going to blow up. And you know? that's why, that's why it's, it's, a, it's misunderstanding to think that people who live alone are the loneliest. It's not necessarily true. You know, a vast, it's the minority, but still a major portion, 40% of our population call themselves introverts. They get energy from being alone, that solitude, that contemplation, the time of being contemplative is very, very important. So that is a state of rejuvenation. Loneliness is a drive, a natural, normal feeling which moves you toward connection with other human beings. All right, so how do you, what are some of your tips for people not to feel lonely, meaning isolated, unloved, unwanted? Yeah. Because I think, another thing I want you to bring up to you is that, you know, the four things that drive people toward their addiction are they're lonely, they're tired, they're hungry, or they're angry. Yes, yeah. And loneliness for me has always been that. When I'm lonely, I might do something that I ordinarily wouldn't do because I just don't want to be alone or I just feel like I want someone. Whereas for other people, it can be lonely and it can be angry and tired and hungry. So the question is, how do you help people uh, with that? The first question is um, you have to know who you are. And what do I mean by that? I mean, in your heart of hearts, when you're dead and gone, how do you want people that you love to remember you? What do you stand for? What is your character? What are your core values? The loneliest time in my life, Patricia, I was married to a fine man, two healthy kids, very active in church, lots of people around me, but I didn't know who I was. And the truth is I was living someone else's life. And there is a loneliness that we would might even call existential loneliness, a loneliness of self, and that means I don't know who I am. I don't know what I stand for. Because at the end of the day, if you know your core values, say one of your core values is kindness or being loving or being supportive or being a man of integrity, at the end of the day, you ought to be able to say, how was I a man of integrity today? How did I show kindness today? How was I loving today? And that, at any given moment, your core values give you direction, give you purpose, give you a drive, tell you what to do, get you outside yourself. And so knowing who you are is the first step away from loneliness, really understanding what I stand for, because that helps you in in every moment of every day in your decision-making, in your actions, and in your planning. So a lot of people who who feel lonely, 
feel aimless or like their life doesn't have meaning or direction or purpose or they don't know how to connect with people. Well, if my one of my core values is being kind, I can be kind to strangers. I can be it doesn't take uh you know, I can be kind to a neighbor. I can I can show supportiveness to a friend. So it gives you direction and it connects you to yourself. So that's the first step. Yeah. And don't you also think that when you when you love what you do or you have meaningful work or meaningful things in your life? Yes. That's also very important. I mean, it, it, yes. a lot of us want a partner and don't have a partner and that's a different yes. issue. Yes. But you still can have a fulfilled life, even if you want yes. a partner and haven't met them yet. Yes. Or you're in a relationship maybe that isn't working, but you don't want to leave. Yes. You can still create a meaningful life for yourself, correct? Well, yes, and when you're, when, you are, when you're authentic, when you're congruent, yes. when yes. you are living out of life of integrity with your core values, there is an energy within you that attracts other people. People want that. They see that in you. They see the calmness and that lack of anxiety and the congruence. They know you can be consistent and dependable because of who you are. You're not trying one person one day and then the next time they see you, you have a different face on, you know, that you're, you almost are not dependable in that way. And that creates anxiety. People don't want to get close to you. So if, if you do want to make connection, because that's the sex, second, source of loneliness that you don't don't feel connected to other people you know our number of friends has gone from three to two in one decade the number we count of close friends have gone from three to two an average of three close friends to two close friends in one decade that's alarming that that well, you know in I'm fact sure. As you age and people start having these life-threatening illnesses, trust me, at my stage of life, we say, you need, you know, six good friends <laughs> because one or two can go down at the same time. And if you're there and, and going to chemo treatments and visiting the hospital and sending cards and making calls and taking food or whatever, you need you need a group of friends, <laughs> not just one or two. Mm-hmm. So, so this... Being deepening the connections with people, and how do you do that? Here's how you do it. First, you got to show up. If you want to, if you want to make a connection to somebody, you've got to show up in their life. Get your body there, and that means not just for things that entertain you or fun for you, but show up because it's meaningful to the other individual. You know, like graduations or funerals or weddings or celebrations or birthdays or or um, a, a charitable cause just because it's important to your friend or maybe a movie that isn't your favorite genre but you say you know what you like that and I know you like that I'm going to go with you so you show up but also when you when you show up you're paying attention to the other person not just your phone not just your texting not just you know you're, you're looking around for somebody else to visit with, but you really are paying attention to that person, and you pay attention long enough to this other person until you understand. This is what we long for, someone to show up and then pay attention and understand us, that really they get us, that I don't have to explain myself because you've been paying attention. You know I'm, for example, always going to be a little... The yeah. sloppy and have accidents. You know that about me, so you're not surprised or shocked. You know? 
know, when I spill coffee in my lap. You understand that about me, you know? And maybe you understand that I'm okay with it and you can laugh about it. So, Pat, it's really an unconditional love. It's really accepting you for who It is. It is. And, and, and it's, yes, it's, you, you pay attention long enough to know who I am, and by you continuing to show up, you say you're accepting that. All right, now let's life. ask you about depression and loneliness. What's the yeah, difference? Yeah, depression is actually a state. If you've ever been depressed and if you've ever been lonely, they feel very different. Remember, loneliness is a drive that when it when you go about being more congruent with who you are, when you start living out your core values, when you start paying up, showing up and paying attention to the people you care for or want to get to know better, loneliness goes away. Depression is a state, often biological, sometimes because of situations, and it doesn't go away. You could you take a depressed person who's truly biologically depressed and has been depressed for a long time, you take them out in public, you take them out paying attention to somebody else, it doesn't mm. go away. You know what I'm saying? And yes. they actually feel quite different. Anyone who's ever been depressed, which is much more an oppressive, biological, physiological, nausea, alway, lethargy, lack of energy, you don't sleep, you're irritable, you're angry, If you're especially if you're male, and and nothing seems to interest you. That's what depress- depression is, low sex drive, low libido, lack of motivation, and just this this almost nausea in the pit of your stomach. Mm-hmm. It's very mm-hmm. physical and biological. Loneliness different. is a longing. It's a sadness. It, it's wanting. It's craving. It, now, it's really moving toward connection. Something. All right, now let me ask you about this because what you just said about it's wanting and it's long and it's craving, that can also be confused with addiction. And and loneliness can drive us to addictions. Explain that. Yeah. Loneliness cuz you know, they say that most most addictions are social diseases. And uh for example, if you're if you go into a large group and you don't know who you are, you're going to be anxious. It's like, oh, are they looking at me? Do I fit in here? You know, I don't know whether to be outgoing or if I don't know whether to ask me, am I going to say the wrong thing? That anxiety is about the incongruence when you don't know who you are. And so the anxiety, so taking a drink of alcohol, you know, having a beer, having a glass of wine, a shot of whiskey, whatever, taking a drag on a cigarette, the nicotine, you know, gives you mental clarity, gives you energy, motivates you, gives you a hit of pleasure. I mean, that can calm that anxiety. Problem is, it calms it momentarily, doesn't cure it. I want to ask you about love addiction and sex addiction because you talk a lot about love and relationships and also hot monogamy as well. Yeah. So where, yeah. does, where does the love and the sex start getting confused and then get into an addiction that's not healthy? Yeah. Sex comes, sex, sexual desire is a normal drive that you're basically handed a set of hormones at birth and you probably know if you're low, moderate, or high sex drive, you know. And people have sex to relieve sexual tension. They have sex to connect to somebody else. They have sex to enjoy that pleasure of life or for procreation. But using sex as an anxiety relief, 
as a way to hold someone or manipulate someone. It all has to do with the purpose and also with, with when you know you have the difficulty, when someone, when you have a need, when you want to, you're, when you're using sex to connect with somebody to relieve your sexual tension, when you have that connection, once it's finished, it is such so satisfying, and it 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 lowers that longing, makes you it builds protectiveness. It wants you want makes you want to be monogamous, makes you want to move closer, makes you forget about the conflicts in the past. That's normal, healthy sex drive. For the sex addict, as soon as they have sex, they want to know when the next sexual activity is going to happen. It doesn't give you the connection. It doesn't make you more monogamous. It doesn't make you more protective. It doesn't reinforce the love and connection. What it does is it sets up the anxiety cycle. So the person, the sex addict, go ahead. What about, what about love addiction? Do you believe in that? I mean, there's a whole movement out there that talks about people who are addicted to love. Yeah, yeah. I really think there's something to it, Patricia, because there are individuals who try to who try to discover who they are by attaching through somebody else. Yeah. Through somebody else. They only feel good if they have this guy, this gal with mm. them. They only feel good if they are connected that they don't have a sense of self, they don't have connections with other people, they aren't using their talents in meaningful ways. You mentioned something earlier, which is another cause of loneliness, and that is when your work has no purpose. And I don't mean your job or your career necessarily, because your work, if your talents, your God-given talents aren't being used in a meaningful way, there is a long longing there is a loneliness. You don't feel part of the contributing society. You feel like everybody else is connected in this way, and you're not. You're not making your contribution, so to yeah. speak. Yeah, you know, I want to mention something, Pat, that you write in your book that I think is interesting. You talk about common misconceptions about loneliness, and the common myths are that busy people aren't lonely, married people aren't lonely, people living with someone aren't lonely. That's not true. Right. 29% of married people say they're lonely. Living really? together loneliness is a vast phenomenon in our culture. Just because you're living with somebody, just because you have people around you. As I mentioned, the loneliest time in my life, there were people all around me, you know? Mm-hmm. But I was living someone else's life. I wasn't authentic. I wasn't yeah. connected. I didn't know what I, I stood for. I was trying to live somebody else's script. And you also say that some of the uncommon signs of loneliness are busyness, anxiety, depression, drinking, anger, shopping, sexual compulsivity, irritability, porn use, overfunctioning, overworking, indiscriminate friendliness, too much friendliness, and dependency. Those are all, those are really masks for loneliness. Right, right. I have to say the. When I, the, my, my loneliest time, as long as I was busy, I wasn't aware of the anxiety, but when I would try to relax, when I would try to sit quietly, if I would sit quietly and close my eyes, I would start to tear up. I would start to cry. I would get so anxious, I would have what would be like an anxiety attack. I, I just wasn't comfortable in my own skin because I didn't know who I was. My work had no meaning you know, I wasn't deeply connected to anybody. I didn't know how to be. You know, I wasn't I wasn't living out a purposeful life. 
I was doing a lot. I was busy, ever so busy. But so it what wasn't would be your, what would be your top five tips for people to, uh, really not to be lonely, not to be empty and isolated yeah. and living yeah. on life? What would you tell them to do? First thing is, it sounds very trite, but to, to take take a moment and list three characteristics that you stand for, your core values, and this is how you guide your life each and every day. You've got to have behavioral examples of that. Number two, think about the people in your life about whom you care for the most and deepen those connections by reaching out and touching them, showing up for the things, for the activities that are important, whether it's a phone call, whether you've been distant from this individual for years, it doesn't matter. Call and make that contact, show up, pay attention, learn to love them and to show love in the way they want to receive love. The third thing is you've got to ask yourself, are my talents being utilized in meaningful work? And that means, again, it can't, may mean your job or your career, but it also means that after you you go get home from that job that you go to because that's the money you need to live on that you take your talent for pancakes or painting or you know pool playing pool and you use it to make somebody else happy or you use it for the betterment of another person and and then the fourth tip i would give you is somehow do something that invests in the community. I don't care if you're a football fan or you're a basketball fan or if you uh it's a religious group or or the mosque or whether it's picking up trash in your neighborhood or volunteering for the hunger walk whatever it is do something that connects you to the broader community and then you'll meet people by the way that are doing the same and how gratifying that is to meet the same like-minded, like-minded people. people. Yes, and the, yeah, the last one, of course, is you've got to ask yourself this question, am I living out the purpose of my life? You've got to figure out the purpose of your life. What, what am I here for? How, why am I on the earth? And make sure that, by the way, if you do these other four activities, you're likely going to come up and find that, you know what, I am living out the purpose of my life. And if you don't know, take a day, take two hours, take some time just to think about that, to contemplate it. We have such a busy time and such a busy world. But when you know you're you're where you're supposed to be and living out the purpose of your life, you're basically never lonely again. Wonderful. Pat, how can we find you? How can people learn about your workshops and seminars and books? Patlove.com. Very easy. Oh, it's it's really uh, wonderful to have you on the program. And I know you travel all over the country and do your work, correct? I do. I do, Patricia. And I'm delighted to be here just any time. Oh, thank you so much. And stay thank on the you. line for a minute. Yeah, stay on the line. All okay. right, folks, again, contact Pat Love. If you never want to be lonely again and you want to have hot monogamy and great relationships, she has terrific books and great seminars, go to patlove.com. Easy to remember. All right, folks, remember, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true. Until next time, I'm Patricia Raskin for Patricia Raskin Positive Living, right here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice. Write to me, Patricia, at patriciaraskin.com. I'll put you on my newsletter list. Thanks so much. Bye for now. Thank you.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff and management.